Welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Barjuri. In this episode, I'm chatting with Daniel de la Cruz from Polymensa. Daniel and I chat through what it takes for agencies to grow from small to medium or small to large. Often we see agencies get to about 15 or so people, about a million in revenues, and they get stuck at that level. And growing beyond that size seems to be often insurmountable. So Dan and I unpack what it takes to go to that next level. What are the things an agency needs to have in place to help it grow beyond that glass ceiling? Things like a vision and a senior leadership team and ordered finances and so on. If you're looking to grow your agency, you should find this conversation really valuable. Enjoy the show. Okay, good morning. Uh, I'm joined by the fantastic uh, Daniel or Dan, whichever he prefers, de la Cruz from Polymenza. Dan, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. How are you doing? All good. Thank you very much for having me. Good man. Good man. I am going to attempt to introduce you. And if I fail or miss some really important bits out, then then uh, do, do correct me. But uh, we first met very briefly, actually, probably about five or six years ago at uh, an agency collective event. Uh, it was over at the Barbican, which was a brilliant place for an event. And I, I really brought into your story around having had your own design agency and then you, you for whatever reason closed that down moved on to creating the agency collective alongside the guys at the wow company um, and you did some great stuff there supporting other agency owners independent agency owners and their senior teams to to run better businesses and then maybe about a year or so ago you moved on to creating polymensa as a way to create kind of non-exec or advisory consultancy teams to help larger agencies to grow but i i think that the Dan, the agency man de la Cruz kind of sums it up quite nicely, doesn't it? You're an agency man through and through. Have I, what have I missed out there? Probably it's too plotted that, a history. That's spot on. <laughs> <laughs> All good. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Good, 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 good. Uh, and, you know, you and I both work in a similar space right now in that we help agencies to be better agencies. And the real difference between what we're doing is you're working with teams that have kind of 20 employees and upwards. And I'm working with teams that kind of have 20 employees and below. So we're at different ends of that agency spectrum. And and what I really wanted to talk to you about and get your perspective on is what's really the difference? What enables an agency to grow beyond that 20 person team size or that 5 million rev or whatever it is? Because classically, a lot of agencies get to that size and then struggle to go beyond. So, so I'd love to get your perspectives on what are the ingredients that enable an agency to go beyond that kind of glass ceiling? Yeah. So thanks a lot for having me and uh, thank you everyone for uh, taking the time to listen today. Um, especially if you're working in in agencies, you know, uh, this is going to be a, a fun episode, hopefully. So <laughs> I I think it's a, it's, it's a really big question. And I would say, if I can point it down to kind of like like one thing, right? And that's what everyone wants. What's, what's the what's the magic answer? Right? What's the and silver I, I, bullet? What's the silver <laughs> bullet? I don't I don't believe in that. And and everyone that knows me and knows what Polymenza is all about, it's all about multiple perspectives. So whatever I say today, please verify that with other people as well. But the trends that I see is that the the biggest change between that kind of fifteen, let's say fifteen employees, right? Like 10, 10 to fifteen, and then upwards when you're about 30 employees is that you start having either a leadership team in place 
or a uh, a lot more senior people that actually take off some of the loads off the founder or the founders to um to allow the founders to sort of you know take a step back and look at okay well how can we like grow this strategically and uh, and also to get some more like different thinking into the business um so it's not just the founder's vision the founder's ideas of like how to scale the business but actually you bring in some really senior people that will start helping you shape the business in a way that you probably well if you haven't run an agency before you don't know right if you haven't run a business you, you don't know if you've done that before it's a lot easier uh, you, you'll still want to do that because you still want to have senior people kind of you know taking you to the next level or even you know people that have experience and I like that word senior sometimes but but I think that's like the the biggest change that you know you kind of step into more of a leadership role uh, where you're essentially leading your 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 leadership team as opposed to it being the person wearing oh, yeah. all the hats and <laughs> juggling kind of 20 jobs that. at the same time yeah. yeah which is classic of an agency owner right you've got so many different hats how do you know which one to put on at any one particular time it's probably the one that's servicing the squeakiest wheel in the business right and and what what you're saying then really is is classically that kind of working on rather than working in the business so you you build a senior leadership team so that you can focus on strategy and they can focus on what advising guiding you at the same time as looking after all your client business yeah potentially and and also i guess you want to get it to a point where ultimately your your leadership team as well is is working on the vision and you know owning that piece uh i'm i i prefer it that way there's there's other founders that sort of believe they have to own the vision all the way through and that's fine again that's like opinion different opinions i don't think there's a right or wrong um and and yeah so but yeah that's that's kind of the key thing really okay and what are the components of a really effective senior leadership team do you know what? I th- I think one of the reasons why a lot of people hit that glass ceiling don't get through to through it is not just because they're running around like mad, like you know, like working insane hours trying to you know figure everything out all at once and 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 basically not having the time to maybe focus on the things that are going to take them to the next level. Uh, whether that's bringing in more new business, whether that's getting the accounts team to be better at upselling to the existing clients and getting more work out of clients, whatever it is, right? I mean, in the end of the day, the agency grows by getting more work, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the reality of it. Um, but I think one of the one of the other reasons is a lot of agency founders, as we know, you know this is a this is nothing new, uh, fall into running an agency, right? It's not like I don't know Elon Musk wanting to conquer Mars, right? There's a really clear mission there. It's like I'm gonna make this my life mission that i'm going to conquer mars and then you sort of work backwards from there right that doesn't really (laughs) like it's not it's not a common thing in the agency world and and therefore you get a lot of practitioners designers developers you know search experts whatever whatever it is right social media experts coming into the space um and and just being really good at their craft and doing what they want to do and then and then sort of realizing actually people really enjoying working with me i've got more work than i need now i need to hire and then you hire more hire more Mm -hmm. hire more to deliver more work and you end up with a few people right now the interesting thing is i think the difference between that and then actually having some sort of end in mind is huge and i don't mean this necessarily you have to have an exit plan right this is the the thing and then i'm going to be acquired that's not necessarily what i mean but there has to be some sort of like 
you know, a point moon, of vision. <laughs> that moon, you know, that North Star, whatever yeah. you want to call it, all the labels that exist for this, but something that you can pin everything against and then also work backwards from there. And I had this conversation actually even recently with, with people of agencies of the sizes that I work with, where it's, you know, it becomes a lot easier when you work backwards from where you want to get to, because then you can start looking at, okay, well, what's the size of the clients that we need, right? Mm -hmm. What's the type of people that we need on board to help us get there? Uh, what are the the skill sets that we need to have to help us get there? What, uh, you know, what's the level of profitability that we need to mm -hmm. be making? You know, all these sort of different things come into place. What are the structures of, of the team? So like to answer your question in a long-winded way, um, it, it really depends on what, your where you're heading to and 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 therefore then you will know who you need to hire to get there right yeah um, i get that i get that yeah. and, and or, i think or you, or you do it the other way you hire people to figure that out for you and then you basically go with with you know how they explain it essentially. I, I, I think the first way around is probably the easier way and, and i tell you why when i was running my agency klaxon a few years ago and we were a kind of marcom's shop and I had a young guy who I was basing quite a lot of growth around and he told me he was leaving. And I said, why is it you're leaving? And he, he said, I didn't really know where you were taking the business. I didn't know what your vision or your mission was. I'm like, oh, right. Okay. And, and partly that was because I hadn't articulated it. And partly it was because I didn't really know what it was either. And I, I really understood why he left at that point. Cause he was like, where's my, how do I know when I've achieved what I'm supposed to be doing here? Uh, and I'm sure there's more, a lot more to that in terms of my lack of management there rather than just having a mission and a vision. But I think that's that end point is that that mission, mission that people can focus on. Yeah. They can congregate around. They can all work towards achieving that. And, and I think it's easier to set that stall out before you hire. Uh, and maybe you craft it and reshape it and revise it every couple of years, you know, when you've got a leadership team in place to help you shape it, because obviously it will move based on who's in the team and you want to retain that talent. So if they have some input into what the end goal is, they're more likely to stick around. At least I think that's the case. Yeah. Um, so. I think it's a great point. And, and I'm going to nick something I heard the other day from um, uh, a very successful agency founder who I'll, I'll mention, uh, you know, this credit to him, uh, an incredible guy, Rob, Rob Pierre from Jellyfish. And he he said to me that something the other day, which I absolutely loved. I I think it's brilliant. He said there at some point there was this experiment, and there were these two groups in that experiment. One group had to tap a song with their fingers, right, on the table. Yeah. And um, and then the other group had to guess what song it was. Right? <laughs> don't make me guess what song that was, because I'm gonna fail. Okay. <laughs> no, that was that was clearly not a great song. I don't even know if it does there you go right it's clearly happy birthday no, anyways so the experiment revolved around the group that was listening uh they were asked saying hey how how you know actually sorry the, the group that was tapping they were asking first like how how much of the percentage in percentage wise do you think people recognize what you were tapping and they were like yeah surely more than 50 60 percent right and they asked the group that were listening yeah and it ended up being like two percent or something oh really so the interesting thing behind this is, and this comes from a person who's, you know, I think they've got over 2000 employees, jellyfish, right? So this comes from a person who needs to be doing that every single day, like communicating something that's in his head to the rest of the team, not just make it clear for them to understand, but also for them to buy into it. Right. Mm, okay. 
And and I think there's something there's something really special about that. And I think there's different ways of doing that. Like you can do that through storytelling or whatever it is. You know, I had this idea for um, a, a client of mine that the day where I said, "Hey, do you know what? Um, as part of your you know your vision day, how about you tell them what your kind of vision is now?" But then you get the whole team like working together and actually thinking about what what's the story? What's the story of getting to that point? Right? Mm. And you, you get them to to kind of tell the story and they work together in teams, thinking up the story, you know, oh, the hero, this, that, and you know, the trouble they have to go through and the challenges, and then they come back out of that, and then there's a final epic battle and all these sort of different things, right? <laughs> so so then get them to do that because then they've told the story. And it makes them more likely to buy into it, right? And then the founder, because sometimes, like, or oftentimes the, the the vision or whatever it is in the founder's head is often, you know, a financial number or something like that. It's like, we want to get to 5 million and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. I don't know how many people you can get excited by that. Or you know? I want to sell to Omnicom or something. Exactly. <laughs> and then I want to be rich and I want to do whatever I want to do, right? And it's like, yeah, that's cool. That's great. Keep that in your head. It makes sense. But how does that all translate into what that business looks like at that point? Got you. Okay. How, how do you visualize it? How do you get the team on board as well? I think I think from talking about the the one silver bullet, which is a cringeworthy expression, isn't it? But go for we, it. We've kind of moved on, haven't we? Because we started off with we need this team that enables the founder to step away from the coal face and focus on strategy. And the team takes on a big piece of helping you to move the business forward to then kind of crafting and shaping a vision or an endpoint and then once we've got that the importance of involving the team and communicating that regularly with that kind of drumbeat throughout the business to ensure that everyone's aligned we've kind of got three big things there because none of those are small are they absolutely and not only that i mean look there's other strategies to doing this right you could go and go on an acquisition strategy right that's another that's another way that you could grow um you know it's 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 possible it's it's hard it's tough you need to understand that space very well um and you need to be able to be good at bringing cultures together different cultures uh that's another thing that uh that, that, another way that doing it and then the other thing just to bear in mind as well is that i guess is a lot around timing as well and being in in the right place at the right time and i don't mean this like in the sense oh being lucky and you know you only yeah you make your own luck right as they say but i mean this <clears throat> in the sense like look if I think about agencies um, that absolutely blew up and in a good way. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> I'm exactly. glad you clarified that. For yeah, you. yeah, in a good way. Blew up in a good way. <laughs> let's call it that. The like, let's say us two, for example. Us two is a great, great example of that. Us yeah. two is a fantastic agency uh, that was run by two um, incredible human beings. You know, we were designers. Didn't know how to run a business. They, were very, they would talk about this very openly, right? Didn't know how to run a business or anything like that, right? Just wanted to do great work for their clients. Started the business during the mobile era when that all kicked off. Got Sony Ericsson as a client, um, and I think within the first year hired like twenty people or something like that, right? Because they had that one big client that they took, but they were also on like a on a wave, mm -hmm. right? They were on this trend of mobile, and 
not many people were there and they were right on top of that wave surfing it all the way right i remember had... because um that we had a multi, uh, mutual client was lastminute.com they built this really great app for them called topsy yeah and the idea was that the top seas around london was was their app and we we created the comms and the launch event around the topsy app well there you go probably oh, know, 10 years ago or something yeah well, there you go, right? And and their timing was spot on. You know, they then grew quite quickly to whatever, you know, 150 people, whatever it was. And then at that point, sort of the wave tailed off a bit. Uh, there was much more people in the market. Mm-hmm. And some people that were in that market sold to other agencies, uh, whereas they kind of never wanted to do that in that way, right? And and so they they went on, but then they also realized what a mad business they built at that point, you know, mm-hmm. in the sense that actually they never really thought about it. They were just on a wave constantly. It was all going really well. And they just had to hire more people to deliver more work. I mean, I think, I think like Singh, you mentioned at some point um, to me that they had like, I don't know, 30 designers or something. And there were like two project managers managing all the projects with these 30 designers. It was <laughs> mental. Like, you know, there's no structure to it whatsoever. I think that there are other agencies that are kind of on on a wave right now, and you see it with people like Social Chain that just really grew rapidly around uh, social media comms. You see it with uh, Carrie Rose. What's Carrie's PR agency? Um, Is it Rise? Rise, Rise at seven, seven yeah. Seven or something like that. Those yeah. guys are just amazing, aren't they? I'd love to to one day send some work their way from a client perspective. But I think that they're really riding that wave. And I remember actually, actually, I think it was the first time I met you, which was at that AC event I mentioned earlier. I'm pretty sure that uh, the guys from us, us two, isn't it? You said, yeah, yeah, they were on stage talking about the challenges they'd had as a result of growing so quickly. And I'm pretty sure they were talking about the health challenges and drinking and all that sort of jazz. And it was really interesting to have, you know, to look at that, that side of things as well. Um, you know, what, what's the real personal implication of growing quickly? Great. You've got a, a thriving agency, but agency business is bloody tough at the best of times. If you're growing rapidly and you haven't necessarily planned it that way, it's even more challenging. I thought. Yeah. And I 100% agree with that. You know, it's, it's one of the reasons as well, Polymenza exists. Um, you know, we're, we're not just provide advisors and perspectives from advisors, but we also, uh, have a community right like it's yes. a it's a tight-knit community um in the uk there's only ever going to be 30 agencies so there's a there's a sense of belonging for them and there's a sense of support there of people that they really really trust um when it gets tough because yeah. it, you know it, it always does and you're absolutely right you know uh someone i spoke to the, the, the other day um again i'm going to mention this person because i always say oh someone um but actually a really really clever person uh, is anan from uh, matter matter of form he's a founder of matter of form and he he called it the ball and chain and i love that i just stuck in my head it was like ball and chain what the, the ball and chain, business the agency or just generally like well not all businesses because some people have like lifestyle businesses that they kind of structure in the way where it doesn't become a ball and chain um but quite typically with agencies it's it's a people heavy business right and mm-hmm. if you've got you know 15 employees and it's just you and there's no leadership in place i mean that's a big you know ball that's hanging on a chain off your ankle and you you can't really go back from there right because yeah. you have so much responsibility and yeah it gets, it's it's tough right it's tough and yeah you need to make that decision um at some okay. point do you want to go further or or whatever right do you stop at a certain point you have maybe only four or five employees and you know you you work on very very specific work well, again, it all depends sort of where your end 
you know where, where your north star is let's call it a north yeah. star what's it. your north star your mission or vision or whatever it is you want to call exactly. it yeah I, I get that as well so what have we got so far we've got getting the, a senior leadership team and i totally agree with that setting your vision or your north star definitely communicating that clearly amongst the team completely because you can have all the best ideas but if you can't sell that idea and get people bought into it you're not going to get very far you need bit of luck with your timing so you're actually riding a wave uh, whether it's app development or social media or influencer whatever it is you need a bit of luck on your side as well you need the timing to be right what else what else separates the uh a five million rev 30 person agency from a million pound 15 person agency so most agencies, I'd, I would say, uh, at 30 employees with 5 mil would be pretty good um, if they can do that. I, What else separates them? I mean, look, talking about numbers, having having good um, FD either on board or part-time, someone who can also help you with that, you know, especially... Um, I had a chat with with uh, one of our one of our troop members yesterday, uh, Darren Lowe from um, Lo and Behold, who, who does a very sort of like build and well, he's do, he's on an acquisition um, strategy. Is basically, he? Okay. He buys a yeah. lot of agencies and puts them together in a little mini group, and um, and the, you know he is clearly a maths person, right? He's a numbers person, and you can tell that. You know, I'm not a numbers person. I don't I don't mind doing the maths. I have to, but like. It's not my natural go-to. I'm very logical thinking, but not necessarily numbers, numbers yeah. in that sense, you know, and I wouldn't necessarily look at my business with that first, right? But that's not to say that's wrong. All I'm saying is if you don't have that, and especially if you're someone who's completely clueless around that time, like that area, I think it's a it's a really good investment um, at that stage because they help you just to streamline a lot of things and look at your forecasting, look at your utilization rates, look at like all these like really key things that the more people you have on board, the the more complex this becomes because yeah. the more people you have, the more non-billable resource you have, which costs you a lot of money. Um, you have more salaries to deal with, you know, those ratios to the gross profit are like, like, you know, they just keep going, going, going. And, you know, it's like, I, yeah, I, I would say the other thing really is looking at someone who understands the finance, but especially if you don't, if you don't understand, I think is a key, key thing, getting advice in. And even if you have like a really good accountant, you know, I know the wild company do a lot of this stuff um, really, really well for their clients and especially agencies. So like, you know, if, even if you don't have it in house, definitely get some external help on that as well. Yeah, I, I can totally relate to that and, and agree with that. I think most people that start in some kind of agency have a more of a creative bent than a i suppose a scientific numbers driven one you're really good at design <clears throat> excuse me or you're really good at writing or you're great at building relationships with journalists or uh, maybe not so much if you're into coding because you've probably got a bit of a mathematical brain if you're more digital but any of the more creative side of marketing i think your creative brain probably overpowers the the metrics driven numbers side and so when you look at your business you probably look at the people first and the quality of the work and how happy your clients are. And then you get to numbers. But in reality, when you get larger, it has to be the other way around, doesn't it? You have to look at the numbers first. Yeah. And that's when you realize, I don't know what that balance sheet really means. I can't. And what, what does that mean? And yeah. um, I'm a non-exec. And, and, and just, just, just before you go into that, sorry, just hold on. I'll bring you straight back to that. Just to say, like, I guess it's, 
you know, whether you go numbers first or whatever people, you know, whatever your kind of like first sort of priorities are in terms of your values. And, you know, and this is other advice that I generally give to people. I say, look, if you've got a set of values that you adhere to in the business, make sure you rank them because there'll be situations where like two values conflict against each other. And then you're like, oh, well, how do how do we behave now, right? Um, this we're supposed to be caring, but we're also supposed to be transparent at the same time. And it's like, actually, is it that caring if we're going to tell this person how crap they are at their job? You know, I don't know, right? Like, you know, obviously there's nuances to all this stuff, right? But like, um, I, I definitely recommend that. And 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 that's the same thing with the finance, right? Like in some cases, hey, maybe it's a better way to think of it first from numbers point of view, other voices, people and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and I, th- I think that ties back into the vision piece. Having those values that enable you to deliver that vision, I think, are really important. I'm, I'm on, I'm on the train with that one as well, Dan. That's why. <laughs> just, just going back to the finance piece, I was just about to say that I'm a non-exec for a design firm that's got about twenty uh, fee earners in it, and we sit down once a quarter and we have a, a review as to, and it's operated as an employee-owned trust. It's really interesting. The employees own it, but they appoint a board of directors to oversee the senior management team, which I think is an interesting way of running a business and a great way to exit, by the way, if you are looking for an exit, if you're an agency founder. Really tax efficient. Yeah, very tax efficient. <laughs> Talking about numbers. Yeah, <laughs> important uh, tax efficiency. Yeah. Uh, but we had a board meeting, uh, I think, last week, and we were looking at the balance sheet, looking at the profit and loss, and the trustees were looking at it. And, and there were a lot of questions that, even as trustees, that we couldn't really answer by looking at the balance sheet. And, and that, I think, is a bit of a concern for me, and certainly something that I, I want to feedback to the to the meet management team there is that you know i think we as the the trustees and you as a management team need to get smarter at understanding what the information is telling you and making decisions based on what those numbers say rather than gut feel yeah. i think that's the i think that's the difference between an agency that has I hate to use the expression grown up, but let's say they've got beyond the the growing phase where they're just getting established. And I think really, whether you're a 10 person, 20, 30, 40, whatever size of your agency, when you get to grips with the numbers, that's where I think you've grown up a little bit because mm-hmm. you go beyond having that lifestyle business into really understanding what the business is all about. I was, think- I was thinking about something yesterday as well, um, which is slightly kind of related because you just, as you're saying that it just popped into my head again so i, I got okay I, I was driving back um from my boxing training and and i had a chat with one of my uh teammates um who's uh who, who, who we you know get on really well and i was saying to him you know it's it's really interesting because he's 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 a young he's a young lad he's you know 18 he he's got all these like ambitions around becoming you know the world champion one day and all these sort of different things right and that's really good and and I, and I, th- I thought about it for a minute. And I'm like, do you know what? I think the hardest stage is that bit at the beginning as an athlete, right? Like when you're just getting started, but you don't have the sponsorship, you don't have the money to really allow you to just fully focus on it. So you're doing two things at the same time, right? You're probably working mm. um, in boxing. It often is people that are in labor jobs, you know, um, whether they're they're plumbers, whether they're working on construction sites, whether, you know, they're doing scaffolding and things like that. Um, no, that's a cliche, obviously. There's a, the people in boxing as well, but that's, that is quite a common, yeah. um, common kind of uh, uh, audience that you get in boxing. And, and, you know, that's hard. That's hard work. Like you're, you're, you're basically training as hard as you can alongside doing the work as well mm-hmm. and uh and then until you kind of get to that tipping point where you have sponsors and uh, maybe a contract with with a promoter or whatever format that takes 
where you can then do it full time. That's the moment when you then do nothing else but basically train all day. Uh, and when you're not training, you're laying on the sofa playing PlayStation, right? Like, and and that's it, right? And it's funny yeah. because I had a conversation with someone uh, about this as well at some point who works with a lot of athletes and and uh, someone said to him, oh, but athletes are always so busy, they're always training. And he was like, do you know what? Actually, they've got a lot of downtime because they need to rest. And when they rest, they do nothing, basically. You know, they just need to like chill out. Okay, they've got their kind of news media stuff that they have to do as well. But like, that's where the whole team is there. Their team is there to ring fence them around that and say, no, you're not going to be there. You're not going to go do this. You're only going to do this, right? And that makes it, I think that's a really important point to mention because once you have that team around, it takes a little bit that emotion out of things as well as a founder, right? Like you, you suddenly have the whole team kind of protecting you from stuff, right? And and allowing you to continue to focus on that north star, and uh, and so I think that's that's really the the step. That is that step. It's exactly that transition from like being the athlete that's like an amateur and you know has to work at the same time, doing everything, and also train to like the next step where they now got enough money to get the people, the team around them that basically frees them up to just focus on what they need to be doing, which is what the team tells them to do basically. Yeah. Uh, that's really great. And I think that's exactly right. You know, having that ability to focus because your team gives you that free space to focus on the bigger picture issues, you know, the strategy, the vision, the, where are we taking the agency? How do we uh, position ourselves? All those big ticket items that, if you're training and fighting at the same time, you can't do that, can you? So I like that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And I mean, just just to say on that, obviously, the slight, again, slight difference, and this is where everyone has to decide as a founder how, I guess, how much of a dictator you want to be about your vision, right? Because if you're an athlete, and especially if you're not, uh, if you're so, like a solo athlete, so if it's a te- if it's a team sport, it's maybe a bit different. But like if you're if you're just you know a tennis player or um, whatever, I mean you, you know you name it. And I think there it, it does become a lot about you and your vision. And mm-hmm. like, well, I want to win that gold medal, or I want to you know win that world title, or I want to win that world series, whatever it is, right? And it's it's about the eye and then you get the whole team around you to basically make you mm. get get to that vision so it's maybe slightly different right i guess the better analogy is probably more of a team sport where you have the coach and then you have the team around that that you'd have to train but then you also have the, the other team around you that basically helps you train your team right yeah so um so i think that's a probably better analogy in the agency world than it is like a like a solo athlete yeah let's shift from boxing to uh let's talk about the england women's football team yeah. that won the european championships was yeah. the fantastic leader serena vigman at the head of the uh, top of the top of the bus whatever the expression i'm looking for is <laughs> and, and what a leader she is so we're talking really more about leadership styles now aren't we um yeah which is Gosh, we could go on that one for a little while, I think. <laughs> we could talk about this all day if you want. I reckon we could. I reckon we could really. I don't know easily. if everyone will listen to us all day. Yeah, I know. That's my things. concern. And the other yeah. concern is my Max just said low battery. Oh, no. <laughs> so doom, maybe doom, maybe doom. it's telling us something that we've rabbited on for too long. But I've been really enjoying chatting to you. Yeah, thank here. you ever so much for coming on. Yeah. I know there'll be people that want to, to get in touch uh, to find out more. What's the best way? for any listeners that think they need a slice of down in their life how should they get in touch with you 
so get in touch, Daniel at polymenza.com. Um, that's really simple. I think we put it in the show notes, probably easiest. Uh, I'm also launching a newsletter um, very soon, which will be available. We put that in the show notes as well. Um, because there's be a little bonus for, for people that are listening to this podcast, put them together for you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, like that, that would be good. And we're basically tackling different aphorisms that exist in the business. Um, so when advisors come and they say, Hey, you know, we mentioned a few of these today as well, like high, slow, fire, fast, uh, hundred K is a holy gray, you know, hundred K per head or culture eats strategy for breakfast. Right. I mean, there's, there was yeah. endless endless aphorisms that exist and i'm on a mission to basically tackle all of them and not just on my own because again i don't want to bring all of my biases into it what i want to do is get different perspectives so we're going to get contributors from the agency world from outside of the agency world basically sharing their different perspectives on it and giving like yeah everyone that reads that newsletter a really broad idea of what that quote actually means well, sign me up for the newsletter and I'm happy to contribute if I qualify as part of your pool of Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, brilliant. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. I hope you've enjoyed being here and uh, we'll have to get together again sometime and do another version because I reckon we could go on for another half an hour to an hour, couldn't we? Yeah, agree. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Cheers. Cheers.